We're in Judges week one together. This is day five of week one, our last day of this first week. We've been looking, starting yesterday, at these judges through whom God delivered the people of Israel and the spiritual lessons that we can learn through these judges. As we come to chapters four and five, we're going to see that God delivers them through Deborah. Deborah, who is the prophet judge. Let me read you the story of what happened with Deborah, beginning in verse one of chapter four. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. So Sarah, the commander of his army, was based in Haraseth Hegoim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. And she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and I will give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And so Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, notice once again here how they wait. This time they wait 20 years to cry for help. Isn't it interesting? They're waiting longer and longer to cry for help. They're trying longer and longer to trust in these false gods. They finally do cry for help because of God's grace, Deborah, a woman, a judge, is leading Israel. This is an amazing thing that God has given this prophetic gift to a woman by the name of Deborah. And she's judging the people. She's settling disputes, but she's also a prophet. She's hearing from the Lord. And the Lord tells her to command Barak to defeat the enemy. He tells him exactly what to do, where to go, what, where to get the army, where to take the army, and how he's going to have this great victory. And he says, I won't go without you. Which means he was trusting in Deborah and not trusting in the Lord. She says, I'll go, but the honor of the victory is not going to be yours. It's going to go to a woman. In fact, it's going to go to two women we're going to see in a few moments. Now, there's an interesting study here. Barak is commanded to do something by God And he doesn't totally say no, but he kind of says no. He says, I'll do it, but not exactly the way God told me to do it. What does God do when someone says no? Well, Deborah says, the honor will not be yours. He finds someone else to do it. Now, often, if you find yourself saying, no, God, I won't do that, often, as with here, you will find yourself somehow wrapped up anyway into doing it. God has his ways of getting you into doing it, the right conversation, the right place, the right time. It's not like you can run away from what God wants to do in your life. That just doesn't happen. No, you're not going to see that happen in your life. You're still going to find yourself wrapped up in the doing of it, but someone else is going to get the blessing for the obedience because the blessing, listen to this, the blessing comes from the obedience, not the action. You could do the same thing God told you to do out of guilt, out of fear, and you're not going to get the blessing. The blessing comes from obedience. And obedience is doing it when God asks you to do it, doing it the way God asks you to do it. In chapter five, they sing a song about Deborah's victories. And this song is in response to the deliverance of God. And it's a song that teaches you and I some truth about God's victories, whether they be physical victories or spiritual victories. 
in our lives? What enemies are there that need to be defeated in your life? And when those enemies are defeated, an enemy of fear, of doubt, of temptation, when those enemies are defeated, you need to learn these lessons about victory from this song that they sang in chapter five. Lesson number one is that victory is, always is, based on the power of God. Verse three, hear this, you kings, listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seor, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down waters, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. Here's a song that focuses in their victory, not on what they had done, but on what God has done. Not on their power, but on God's power. The song focuses on God and the credit goes to God. And you and I need to celebrate God's victories. God is a good father and he is also a mighty warrior. We need God to be a warrior because we must often fight our way to victory and because the most important battles in life cannot be won on our own. And when God wins one of those battles, you celebrate him as the victor. He's the one, not I'm the one, he's the one who won that victory. Victory always begins with God. Lesson number two about victory in this song is that victory takes leadership. Verses one and two, back to verses one and two. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. The princes took the lead and the people won the battle. There's value to leadership here. The leadership that happened here caused them to be able to see God's victories in their life. That's why good spiritual leadership in the church that you're in and the Bible study that you're in is so much to be valued. That's why good spiritual leader through you, leadership through you is so much to be valued because it allows other people to experience God's victories. So you need leaders in your life that allow you to experience God's victories and you need to be a leader in other people's lives that allow them to experience God's victories. You need to take the time to praise God for good leadership. It's all too easy to complain about bad leadership, whether it's in a church or a company or a country. But when good leadership is seen, take the time to praise God. It came from God, so he deserves the praise. Victory takes leadership. There's a third lesson about victory in this song, and that is victory takes sacrifice. When the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Victory takes sacrifice. Verse nine, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Verse 13, the remnant of the nobles came down. The people of the Lord came down to me against the mighty. They made a sacrifice. And there's actually no real victory without sacrifice. It's just not possible because it's a battle. If there were no battle, there would be no sacrifice needed. But because there is a battle, there is a sacrifice needed. So how about your life and my life? When it comes to spiritual victory, what are the sacrifices that you have to make? Romans 12, 2 tells us that the sacrifice is us, is giving ourselves to him, giving our bodies to him as a spiritual sacrifice, as a holy sacrifice. Without the sacrifice of a broken and contrite heart, without the giving of yourself as a willing sacrifice, there will be no victory. So it's in the giving of ourselves to him that we experience his victories in our lives. Now, there's a couple of last truths here. Truth number four is that those who retreat miss out on the victory. In the last half of verse 15, in the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why did you stay among the sheep pens to hear the whistling for the flocks? 
In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did you linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in the coves. These people all found excuses. I have to be with the sheep. I have to be with the ships. I have to be in the coves. And the Lord allowed them to live in their excuses, so they missed out on the victory. Where have you been retreating from what God wants to do in your life? Not taking the leadership, not making the sacrifice, and so missing out on the victory. Those who retreat miss out on the victory, but then the last truth is those who risk enjoy the victory. Verse 18, the people of Zebulun risked their very lives. So did Naphtali on the terraced fields. Verse 24, most blessed of women will be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women, because she risked, and so she enjoyed this victory. In order to have God's victories in our life, we have to take the risk to pray, to have faith, to step out, to involve other people in our lives, to be a leader for others and allow others to be a leader in our lives. We have to take the risk to believe that God could do something that he could never do before in our lives. It's the risk of disappointment, the risk of doubt. We have to take the risk to have integrity in a situation where we might lose it all. But it's those who take the risk who enjoy the victory. We have to take the risk that we might be confused, that our motives might be confused and we might be criticized. And we don't like to be criticized. We don't like people to look down on us and say those kinds of things about us. But they're confused. The truth of the matter is the reason you're sharing the faith is because you have love. It's those who take the risk that enjoy the victory. Verse 31, the victory. So may all your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. And then the land had peace for 40 years. Let's pray together. Father, we want to experience your victories in our lives. But as we hear this example from Deborah, this song of victory, we're reminded of some truths. We pray that you'd help us to always give you the credit, never look to ourselves for the victory. We pray that we'd always look for the right leadership in our lives, not the wrong kind of leadership. Make us people who are willing to sacrifice for that victory, to instead of retreating from that possible victory in our lives, to risk. Show us right now, Lord, where you might want us to take a risk of faith in something that we do, in some way that we pray, in something that we share, in some person that we talk to. Show us right now where you might want us to take that risk of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't miss next week. We're going to look together at some of the greatest lessons on faith in all of the Bible from a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon.